the hype train is and we're like oh my god this is terrible we're uh, so good can we just stop that crap Ireland could win the World Cup let's be honest oh Shane I could no why are we so afraid no. of this OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app off the ball daily folks welcome great to have you with us Liam Tolan Rory O'Connor coming your way Monday Night Rugby is Irish rugby hits dizzying heights. Meanwhile, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes win Super Bowl number two in three years. We have Philippe Claire on the football show. Merseyside derby this evening. VAR shambles over the weekend. Pep and City come out fighting. They boo the Champions League anthem. It turns out they now boo the Premier League tune as well. As Pep said himself Friday, it's not our fault Stephen Gerrard slipped. 53106 is the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy, hello to you. Hi Joe, how are you? Very well. Will Man City fans boo the FA Cup music as well? Is there FA Cup music? I don't even know. I don't know. Is it true? Abide by me in the final? <laughs> I don't know. They boo abide by me? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's a specifically a Premier League issue that they have at the moment. Yes. I didn't know there was a Premier League anthem. I'm sure I've heard it a thousand times, yeah. but I had no idea there was a Premier League anthem. Yes, there is. And they boo it. They only stop booing it when Pep, their uh, main protagonist now, their chief defendant came out to the booze. Yes, and yeah. then they cheered. Yeah, all hail. Uh, and also, like, put up a massive banner to celebrate a, uh, a lawyer slash solicitor <laughs> on the streets of London. Lord Panic. Uh, yes, exactly. A panic on the streets of London, yeah. which was, in fairness, not a bad, uh, not a bad pun, but or well, pun the right word, maybe not. Uh, not a bad banner, but like weird to be celebrating a uh, you know extremely extremely expensive lawyer. Uh, as part of supporting a football club but that's what we do these days Should we crowdfund the 80k for a day of Lord Panic's time to get him on the show? <laughs> and yeah so uh, so off the ball listeners <laughs> go fund me for 80 grand for Lord Panic so we could do an interview with him and ask him what exactly I'm not sure but Just take us behind the scenes what's going on Still cheaper than your man Gary Kasparov Yeah <laughs> Will Lord Panic want the comfortable chair? <laughs> Remains to be seen. Uh, by the way, uh, Jane Lore figures were very good last week. So, oh, yeah. uh, Manny, thank you uh, to all the uh, listeners with us. Uh, some call it the slight tangent bounce. Obviously, we can't say that definitively. <laughs> you know, I've been digging into the numbers, you know, and uh, <laughs> explodes you know, every yeah. couple of Tuesdays. Is it? <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that Tuesday, eight o'clock, you know. Which, uh, you know, there hasn't been a slight tangent in a while, so uh, fears abound for the next Jane Lore book. Well, there are rumours tomorrow. It could happen. It could happen. Uh, Richie McCormack with us as well. Good evening. They also got out the Richie McCormack bounce. Mm, seven and a half, seven. Strong. Very strong. Yes. And it's uh, it's all, literally all, because of me. I'm not even going to have you two try and weasel in on, on the credit for this. This is all me, mm. and I will take the uh, the credit in the form of... It's usually donuts, isn't it? Well, look, advertisers have talked to us about the uh, 7.30 Richie McCormick cliff edge and they want... You know what I mean? And we have none. We have none. This this is the world we live in. Irish rugby. I was going to say, a few few sporting things happened this weekend uh, on the pitch as well. Turns out they are genuinely, and we can say this soberly, this is not just hype, they are genuinely awesome. It's awesome. They're so good. They are so good. But do you not still have this thing where you no. feel dirty or like some, somehow wrong in sort of admitting the 
evidence of your eyes. No, I don't, because it's just so obvious. I'm just getting to that point as well. But just I, so good. I'll tell you what I was getting to that point is that you know when France came back yeah. and were like France weren't bad on that's what like France the reason great. it was a classic yeah. game was because how good France were, you know. And they uh, ran the ball too much and played into Ireland's hands. They, they maybe turned, they turned all, from, all uh, their tactics a kicking were. team into a running team and Ireland said, well, which Thank made for much. great watching as well, I suppose. Yeah. But you know when France were coming back into it and they had all the momentum at the start of the second half and Ireland were making mistakes for yeah. the only time in the game. And then Ireland calmed it down. We can go into like loads of different like positives as to why and like Doris taking the game and the bench, all the inexperienced yeah. ads at the bench playing well. But more of the fact that it was like Ireland just showed this nous. And I was watching this thinking to myself, they're going to win this game. Mm. And they're actually, you know, and it's going to be comfortable. I actually, before Ringrose try anything like that, I just had this feeling that Ireland had settled here and it was going to be enough. And it's really hard to comprehend being an Irish sports fan all your life. And I don't think in any sport having ever supported like a dominant team, maybe like the Patriots or something, but in any of the main sports, never supporting a dominant team to sort of get your head around the fact that they're the team that I've watched do to my teams for my entire life. You know, that's the Manchester United or that's the New Zealand <coughs> or whatever. And that's what Ireland are doing at the moment. Yeah. And y- y- it takes a while for your brain to trigger. But once it does, you're like, God, we are comfortable. Oh, no, We're triggered. much a superior this team. Is, this is now Irish boxing. This is just routine excellence, uh, regular talent coming through, brilliant coaching. And that will only, you know, be passed on to the next generation. So, you know, Paul O'Connell. Mm begets whoever goes into uh, coaching next. It's just unbelievably impressive. And to be beating, you know, France, England, in the international sphere, just by dint of population, it's not something we're going to do no. in a whole host of sports. And also, like, an exceptional French team. Like, I mean, their 15 wins in a row, you know, isn't something you give up easy. This is the biggest match of their uh, yeah. Six Nations, yeah. by far. This is the game they've been targeting. And it's not, like, sometimes in the past with great Irish wins, you're like, you know, we caught someone on the hop. That doesn't happen anymore either. I was thinking specifically how good Tom O'Toole was when he came on. And, like, it's not a million years ago that Ireland, who were having good performances at the time and winning championships and triple crowns, even a Grand Slam, didn't have one tight head prop after John Hayes. And there was no no solution if we lost (laughs) John Hayes. There was, uh, you know, the World Cup in 2007 where we didn't have a backup out half. And you see how good Ross Byrne was, who wasn't even in the picture, mm. you know, six months ago. He was probably, what, fifth choice, mm. realistically. And then he comes on and absolutely settles the game and has a brilliant game. It's unreal that we have the depth that we have at the moment. Mm. In such a short time, really. If you think about it realistically, since, like, say, 09, say that Grand Slam in 09, it's not that long ago, you know, in terms of the amount of players that have come through. No, um, it really is quite something. I mean, they just look like you would say again, very soberly, like more likely than not to win a Grand Slam. And who knows what happens at the World Cup, but they'll give it a bloody good rattle. And that's, you know, that's like they might they might come out the wrong side of a titanic match against the French on French soil. But that doesn't mean that all of what we're watching now dissipates in no. the hype. It's real. No, we just like, it's a pity that there is this thing hanging over it because otherwise we would just have a more realistic conversation about what's happening. But ultimately, if they go and lose a classic to France 35-34 yeah. in a World Cup quarterfinal. Is that anything to do with all the other World Cup quarterfinals? No, this is, this you know? is, this and then that team goes on and wins the tournament? It's very different to previous World Cups. Absolutely. Uh, the most worrying story I saw, Richie, page seven of the Sunday Times yesterday, Ireland struggling to get uh, a, a hotel accommodation for the World Cup in France for their Oof. Paris games, which they're happy with. Now, why can't we get hotels for World <sighs> Cups in this country? What is the issue there? 
I, I don't know. Surely most of Dublin is a hotel at this stage. That's that's kind of what's been going on the past while. Yeah, it's it's um it's odd, but it's a nice kind of it's a nice problem to have because clearly the uh, the appetite to go and see Ireland at a, at a rugby no, the World team. Cup is huge. The team, the team can't, can't get a hotel. Like, it's like 07. They can't get a hotel ah, with a gym. Stop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have to. This this is the kind of thing that should have been sorted a long time ago. Like three, four years ago when the no. draw was made because the, you know, it's not as if they're shy about making Rugby World Cup draws. We knew where we were going. We knew, you know, more often than not who we were playing. So, well, I said it to Alan yeah. Quinlan yesterday we were doing the highlight show on Virgin. Uh, he, uh, one of those who, who braved the industrial park of 07 and I, I saw the man shudder when I said it to him. <laughs> he got flashbacks. Oh, not again. <laughs> Don't talk to any of those lads about 2007. <laughs> it's actually not fair at this stage. It's just cruelty. Uh, it's true. I presume Richie, uh, like all of us, as Hugo Keenan, burst through that glorious uh, try and uh, the ring rose try and the pass from uh, Doris Extraordinary, Sexton galloping down the touchline. I presume, like all of us, you did look on and think, bloody hell, this is super. Yeah, it's and it's a really weird thing to be in because you do still temper it and you do still go, well, like, is France's hunger the same as what it was last year? I think... From a French perspective, that certainly is an issue. But Ireland still went and scored four tries against what is an exceptional France side, an exceptional France side, one of the best of my lifetime, certainly. Um, What was remarkable was for all the concerns that may have been there about Irish depth and about the bench, like Mick mentioned Tom O'Toole there, like Renan Kelleher played the majority of that match. And I don't think we was an issue. I think players coming off the bench, so when when the likes of Jack Conan came on and the likes of Ross Byrne came on, it almost seemed like we got better towards the end of that game. I know the majority of the tries were scored in the first half, but there, was, there wasn't there was a sense where these guys are going to come on and we're going to have a wobble. We seemed to galvanise mm. with the introduction of the replacements in the second half. And I thought Craig Casey was fantastic was, yeah. as well. Real life wire as, as a replacement scrum half. Um, there was no concerns when we talked about you know Tyke Furlong being one of those players where if he misses out then Ireland are going to be down 10% or more there's none of that like and it, it's not a, it's not a matter of hubris and it's not a matter of patting ourselves in the back but I think we just have to take time and a few moments to appreciate how good this team is at the moment and if they do uh, fail to win a World Cup or not win a World Cup fail is probably the wrong word then they will have done it from the position of being the best team in the world mm. and that's not nothing that's not nothing yeah. Joan and Ennis picks me up. This is Irish boxing. Maybe they'd want to actually be world champions first. Fair point if you're going to go that literally, Joan. I accept that. I suppose I mean there's sustained excellence here. It's not just a flash in the pan and we're all losing the run of ourselves is, yeah. is my meaning. Well, I mean, uh, there's Irish boxing world champions. There is only one world championship in the entire sport of rugby. True. I would say Ireland are among the best boxing nations Yeah. in much way that we are in rugby. I think that's your point. Fran, you absolutely yes, uh, of Limerick. Would people be celebrating the game for all its brilliance if Ireland had lost? I doubt it, he says. I think even in the French media, they're talking about this as an extraordinary game. So yeah, we they might are very much ce- so, yeah. We mightn't be celebrating it, we would be recognising it as an extraordinary exactly, game. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We'd be, I think we'd be kicking ourselves because we know that Ireland were probably the better team, so it's a different st- story, but it doesn't mean you wouldn't accept a game for as good as it was. Like, at half-time, I got a couple of messages off people who are generally on the negative side, let's say. Of, <laughs> of of looking at history or looking at no no the names will be irrelevant. But looking uh, at history, still no, only look, a friendly. Look, look, looking at not, life, not looking at history is the is the wrong word. But looking at kind of like uh, you know, aren't Ireland brilliant? Ah, France aren't up to much. That'd be the usual conversations. Okay. And I got a text at halftime from one of those people saying, "Best test match I've ever seen." So 
you know, it was only half time at that stage. <laughs> but uh, I think that's that's the feeling. Like I was, I don't know about you lads, but I was exhausted <laughs> watching that match. Like, but, and, you know. and it seems Wayne Barnes also recognised it was an extraordinary game and decided we've got to keep the show on the road here. Yellow it is. Oh, well, there's the, we mentioned Barnsey. Yeah. Straight away, straight away. My, my first thought was he called that as being fine in live play. Right. That's fine. That can happen. But I thought it was fine in live play, too. Th- again, that's, I, I don't think there's a problem with that. I just hope that that didn't influence. I felt and I don't know about you, but from everything we heard on ref on ref, Mike, I felt he was working for that not to be a red card from the start. So he was he was upping the level of what had happened each time he spoke, obviously. But it started from a very low point. You know, it started from looking for angles uh, that he didn't need and, mm. you know, looking for a reason for me for it not to be a red card. Um, and then, but even then, I felt he hadn't found one. And I couldn't believe it. Like, it, it's, yeah. I, I, I have to say, I, I, you know, there's no point in being angry about these things, but it's more important than Ireland versus France and the Six Nations that a referee of his standing and experience still is making these decisions because... Ruin a test match or not. Yeah. You know, Rob Herring, by the way, went into the scrum. He was eventually taken out before it actually happened. But it was like he played on, touched the ball in open play when he clearly didn't know where he was. And we got to the point where the, the yellow card was dealt with and we were going into a scrum with Rob Herring still there. Low degree of danger. The guy was looking, there was, was walking backwards on the pitch. Well, there is. Uh, 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 Quinn, yeah, Quinny made a point about that. But Sorry, Joe, for jumping in. Alan Quinn made the point about that on AM where in reviewing the yellow card, the match doctors also have to review the footage that's available to them. And it's not a case of, of hooking the player immediately because they can't in every instance just hook the player immediately. They have to actually review what's up what's happened i'm not yeah. defending i don't think i don't think it's ideal either but there is this in the summer though you can he showed not, all the signs immediately there you don't need to see the details of how he was hit to see the signs of from, concussion that he from had a procedural, the, from a procedural standpoint i believe it's a case that they do actually need to go through all of that yeah. before they can make it, a judgment it, on the it happened um at murrayfield as well where george north and it wasn't as bad a hit but took a a ding to the head and seemed to kind of collapse on himself and then sat up. I, uh, you, you certainly couldn't say it was criteria one where he definitely is just off no HIA, but there were uh, like several phases of play which he was involved in until the call came to go off mm. for HIA. And I don't know why that lag is there from contact yeah. to getting the call for HIA. But I would say from what I saw from Herring when that ball came to him at the back of the rook, you know, that, that you say it's category right. one to me. Do you know, now that you say it, you're right. You're the only person I've heard say that, but yeah, his efforts to pick up the ball when it came to him. He was facing the wrong way. He turned around, picked up the ball and just sort of launched it into the air and fell back. Yeah. It's, you know, it was, no, I, it I, was I actually disturbing to see, actually. Yeah, I, thought. I think that's a fair point. I haven't heard enough people make that point. And Sexton made that run because France recognised what had happened as well. Now, like, I'm not saying Sexton took advantage of the situation or anything, but France rec- didn't want to go near him because mm. he was out of it. Mm. So they kind of stepped back and didn't know what to do. It was only a split second all of this happens, but... yeah. We'll uh, push on. Lots of texts coming in. I will get to them in due course. 53106 if you want to get us. Liam Toland, Rory O'Connor on the way after 8 o'clock. Evening, lads. I missed the Super Bowl. Is it worth a download? Wonders Frank. Well, I think it is. It was a classic. We'll um, touch on that in just a moment. Richie, let's start the news round. It is, as ever, with thanks to Gillette Labs for an effortless finished your day. Uh, the news on uh, Tyke Byrne. I mean, he left in some distress. 
Yeah, he did. He had a boot on by the uh, the end of the game. And the Ireland lock is a doubt for the remainder of the Six Nations. He was to see a specialist today to ascertain his treatment, having come off with a leg injury during Saturday's win over France. Jonathan Sexton is to have a groin issue managed by the Ireland medical staff this week. Rob Herring, after that tackle, is observing the return to play protocols, while Dan Sheehan is having his hamstring injury supervised. A 25-man squad has been retained to train with the Ireland under-20s this week. But the likes of Keith Earls, Jordan Larmer, Keen Prendergast, Jacob Stockdale and Gavin Coombs have all been released to their provinces for URC action. On this morning's OTBAM, Alan Quinlan was full of praise for Ross Burns' second half display against France. And I think the biggest plus for Ireland on Saturday was Ross Burns' mm. performances when Johnny Sexton went off. He went off early in that second half. Yeah. And there was no kind of hairy... 40, 49 minutes gone, I think. There was no kind of situation where we went, oh God, wish Sexton was on. Sexton is at a different level but I just think Ross Bourne has our, our attacking play didn't he's now got a, an incredible surge of confidence yeah. and he feels you know this is my chance and this is my moment in time which so, is really good Yeah big afternoon for Bourne because um, obviously November was good in that he made the kick but that wasn't a performance as such and Wales were beaten and when he came on last week and he didn't get many minutes. So in some respects, this was the first time he was tested properly because yeah. you could argue his previous efforts when he was thrown to the lines a touch behind a failing scrum at Twickenham all those years ago. That, that's all an irrelevance as well in terms of trying to judge an out half. So th- this almost was his first proper chance mm. and he came through very nicely, very pumped up. That's what I was going to say. Like there was, he wasn't just like a rabbit in the headlights. I'm a young lad here. He was. He's uh, not a young lad. <laughs> no, well, that's the point. Like he had, he had a lot of big game experience, and he was very invested in the outcome of the game. He wasn't just somebody thinking about his own performance, which you know is often the way when you're a newbie on the scene. Mm. And you're, you know, I'm, I'm sure many a debutant has walked off if they've played well, and Ireland might have lost, thinking, "Well, I'm secretly pretty happy because it went well." He wasn't in that space at all. But it's what Ireland need from an out half. Oh, yeah. Because that's what we're, we're, we're Johnny Sexton's team. So everyone who fills those boots has to play like Johnny Sexton. And that is basically to be a leader on the pitch. And that, look, he has some good moments. It was one really, really good crossfield kick and he, he played well. Yeah. But I think that's the biggest thing to take out of it was that Ross Byrne is the guy who's coming in here as like, probably sees himself. Johnny Sexton's almost so exalted and above it that he almost sees himself as Leinster's out half. You know, because he plays most of the games. He's yeah. you know, best team in Europe, probably. And he's coming in, playing with all these guys all the time. Why would he be any different in a green shirt? And that's, I think that's what Andy Farrell's going to take for that performance was this guy was out here screaming and shouting and pointing and leading the back line, mm. which is nearly the most important thing because we, we know he has the talent to do all the other stuff. Yeah, like Sexton is still above everyone and yeah. you need him to play as many minutes as possible. Wasn't it quite something when he sprinted down the line, though? That, I mean, <laughs> just yeah. laughing, and it was the second break as I mentioned. I the other one was after the thing, but I love the afterburners. I love that, like he's off here, and it's like, right, I'm 38 years old. I'm just gonna put the head down and lift the knees, and then off he went. But then a brilliant pass. Oh. That's the most important part. He didn't just like make as many yards as he could, and then hope no. that we got some quick ball. It was a brilliant pass into space. Doris hit it, and uh, you know, Doris had his hand out looking for it, 10 meters behind Sexton. Yeah, and so Sexton floats it. Not too much pace in it. Let's Doris hit it, and then obviously gets smashed uh, for his troubles, as is Johnny Sexton's yeah. way. I was thinking uh, four years ago, if we're at the end of this World Cup cycle now, when Sexton came out after the last World Cup and said, "No, no, I'm going to play the next World Cup, hopefully," and we all laughed. <laughs> if we had been shown that image then of what we're seeing now, we kind of wonder what the hell had happened. Um, Richie, nobody will be shocked. We were we're touching on the 
uh, decision to yellow card yeah. Antonio. So he has been cited. Yeah, Uini Antonio cited for that challenge on Rob Herring during Saturday's win for Ireland. The tight head only received a yellow card from referee Wayne Barnes following consultation with the TMO and Antonio will appear before a disciplinary panel via video link on Wednesday. Merseyside Derby. Yeah, small matter thereof tonight. Seamus Coleman has been given his 400th appearance for Everton in tonight's Merseyside Derby at Anfield. The Republic of Ireland captain is just the 19th player in the Toffees history to reach that landmark. Teams are in for this one. For Liverpool, Alisson is in goal. A back four of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matip and Joe Gomez. Andy Robertson's at left back. Stefan Bajicic, Fabinho and Jordan Henderson are their midfield. And it's a front three of Mo Salah, Cody Gakpo and Darwin Nunez. For Everton, largely unchanged from last week's win there is one switch up front Jordan Pickford's in goal for them it's a back four of Coleman James, Tar- James Tarkovsky Connor Cody and Vitaly Mikalenko in midfield it's Idrissa Gay Abdullah Dekore and Amadou Onana Alex Awobi and Dwight McNeil are either side of Ellis Sims who starts up front in place of the absent Dominic Calvert-Lewin kickoff at Anfield is at 8 o'clock Sean Deitch licking his lips oh yeah circling with intent. He's talking about having empathy for Jurgen Klopp the other day, and as well, he was asked, "Did he have sympathy?" He goes, "We we don't have sympathy. We have empathy." You know, <laughs> uh, I understand what he's going through. Uh, we've all been there. But like, I mean, that's is like poor Jurgen Jurgen Klopp. You know, <laughs> it's like, one win, Sean. But uh, huh. at the same time, uh, by the way, the four hundred appearances for Seamus Coleman, I think, is worth remarking on. He was brilliant. Uh, last weekend against Arsenal and the amount of times that you know he's been written off by Everton or you know by our, us watching Everton and or you know commentators and it's like oh Coleman is looking he's looking his age now he's you know and he'd have a bad game whatever he comes back from it every time yeah Jamie Carragher properly wrote him off last season yeah he was brilliant he he marked Martinelli out of the game last week yeah you know Meanwhile, Richie, Super Bowl. We're going to be talking about this in a bit more detail after the Richie McCormick cliff edge at half past seven. I know, yeah. We should uh, mention as well uh, the important news uh, surrounding Liverpool tonight too is that a UEFA Commission review into the chaotic scenes at last year's Champions League final says the treatment of Liverpool fans in Paris almost led to a disaster. The match against Real Madrid was delayed for 37 minutes due to operational issues at the stadium. French police facing criticism from that report for firing tear gas at supporters leading to crushing around security barriers at the Stade de France while the independent report also says the French football authorities need to bear responsibility for their role in failing to ensure public safety neither the UEFA or the French Ministry have yet commented on that in fact UEFA have indeed uh, backed up that report which has just been released in the last uh, half hour but as you mentioned there uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions for the second time in four years six points down heading into the final quarter they beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38 points to 35 in Phoenix overnight a converted field goal from Harrison Kerr with seconds left on the clock was the difference between the sides. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes also played a pivotal role in the Chiefs' success while injured as well for the most part. Somebody asked was it worth uh, watching the game back? I think it was an amazing game. I mean, there's a 20-minute highlights package which basically has every play so I'd probably watch that as opposed to the 3-4 hour job. But 35 points apiece with a couple of moments to go and then there was the soft-ish penalty. James Bradbury to his credit who was holding the shirt of Smith Schuster came out and said it was a holding I tugged his jersey I was hoping they would let it slide so very very honest 
it's the kind of thing that's often let slide. It's usually let slide in a game like this at this stage. Like it was a hold. It wasn't pass interference, I suppose, which is kind of like later on as the ball is in the air and it takes the guy out of the ability to catch it. It's a, you know, it's a five yard penalty if you want, as opposed to from where the ball lands almost. It's just one of those that in a game like this will, you'll see 10 of them and maybe two of them will be called is probably the way I would call it. Now, again, is it technically right? Yes. Did it ruin the game? Now, what would have happened there, just for people who think this has decided the game or this won it for the Chiefs, the Chiefs would have still kicked their field goal, but instead they got a first down and were able to run the clock down to kick their field goal with no time left, basically. So the Eagles would have got the ball back with about, I think, a minute and a half or so to go, plenty of time to maybe go and get a field goal and bring it to overtime or even go and score, or not, or the Chiefs to get a stop. It would have made for a much more dramatic ending and, as you say, one of the best Super Bowls of all time, really. You know, it was just unbelievable. There wasn't too much defence, but... uh, you know, 38-35 is a, is a huge score, but it was it was dramatic all the way. The Eagles were winning by 10 points at halftime, so it was a real defining moment for Mahomes and his career. But yeah, it's almost just a pity that we didn't get one more kind of exciting drive just to kind of put the uh, gloss on it. Mm. Uh, Brian Scarries, Man City made a show of themselves at the weekend. I'd love to see them punished. Peter, lads, France scored only one try. Think about that. To me, that's a measure of how good Ireland were. And they felt more threatening than one try, France. Like whenever they ran the ball, even if it may have been the wrong tactic, they did look touch scary. Did they ever look like scoring though? You know, yeah. may, like maybe maybe once or twice. But I they beat a lot of defenders. Is maybe the point they beat thirty eight yeah, defenders. Yeah. So they were off the way they play as well, havoc. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But Ireland always recovered from it. Like I mean, Donald Lennon was obsessed with this stat on on commentary that Ireland averaged four tries and averaged conceding one, and it's exactly what they did here in this game. And I thought it was it's a, it's a good point. Like averaging it's good. like and Wales had more. I think like outright chances to score. Than France did. There was one time France I, had minimal time in the twenty-two. Yeah. Somebody had the stat for yesterday, but the amount of time that they're actually in Ireland's twenty-two was so paltry on Saturday. It was uh, to the point of almost unbelievability. But that's how good I guess Once the Irish defence was. Yeah, they were unlucky at times. I thought that McCluskey dropped a knee for the turnover. I don't think he should have been allowed to play the ball, and they, they got a penalty that time. And then there was another time where they lost the line out up there you know there was a couple of times that I think we don't know what would have happened there but in fairness I thought that once there was any structure to the game to your point like the missed tackles to Ireland's defence just looked so solid mm. and able for them you know Irish boxing is competing in a global sport rugby's 10 teams and Wales is one of the superpowers <laughs> I was about to argue that point but what a brilliant kicker <laughs> the Wales point cuts the legs from under us uh, boxing is pretty concentrated though at amateur level isn't it mm, yeah it can be it's a yeah yeah, it's obviously got more uh, widespread um, competitiveness than rugby, but I mean, you'd routinely see a, like the medals table would be fairly dominated by the same handful. Yeah, possibly. Uh, but look, a lot of the Eastern European teams that are, are like Eastern European countries that uh, are the kind of like sub-Russian countries that we often uh, might kind of blend into each other for us our, or our Maybe. uneducated ways. Wales, one of the superpowers. There's That's no a great kicker. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, lads, Ireland crossed the French try line ball in hand eight or nine times, uh, says John well, and Limerick. Which can I ask about that? Do you think there's a new... I know we don't have time for this, but do you, think, do you think there's a new tactic in defence of letting players over the line to hold them up because so, they get the dropout instead of the scrum? Because it's happening all the time at the moment. And Murray, I think, went over three times. No, you're right. We don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't know. I feel like there were always tries held up, No. 
Well, like you've no option like sometimes. Four times hold, in but this like, game. What other, what other option could you take except to hold it up? No, stop them before. I don't know. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want the five. Well, ideally, you would stop either, them before. You know? Yeah. Uh, we should mention the. Have I imagined this? Owen Morgan. Sorry. Yes, I haven't. Owen Morgan yeah. has retired. Yeah, a, three, a, 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 a four wicket defeat sorry, for Ireland in the uh, T20 Women's World Cup today to England. But as you mentioned there, Owen Morgan says he's cherished every moment of his cricketing career. The Dubliner confirming his retirement from all forms of the game. Morgan played international cricket for both Ireland and England, captaining his adopted home to World Cup glory in 2019. Mm, an extraordinary career. Unbelievable. It's something that I don't think he'll ever get a huge amount of credit for in this country. Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean he like I mean absolutely astounding to to probably be one of the best one day cricket players of all time. Yeah, like realistically, you yeah. know, and the real longevity to his career as well. Mm. Um, I mean, what else? we'll beg him for an interview and hopefully get him on the show in the next couple of weeks. It'll be lovely to chat to him about it all now that he's a bit more time in his hands. We are come home pretty much done. Michael, we'll chat to you later in the show. Uh, Richie and the audience at large, farewell. Yeah, good luck <laughs> off that cliff edge, lads. Uh.